Missouri. This is the Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of the Hot Corner. I'm Patrick Carey, and alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan Franz, and we have a full slate of topics to talk about today. But I feel like it's necessary to talk about the biggest news we've heard all week, is that Bryce Harper has just signed a $330 million, 13-year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, and that's just Outrageous. Incredible. Incredible. I can't believe it. I mean, when you talk about the money that's being uh, given him here, um, I'd, I'd argue that he's definitely overpaid in this deal, but no question about it. He won big time out of this with Scott Boris. Um, I just think it's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because the word was for a while before this deal happened is that the Phillies were out of the running. And then all of a sudden they come back a couple days later. They were always the favorite, but we kind of heard they were out of it. And then they come back about two days later and they sign him to a deal. I, th- I remember hearing that as well. And I think it has to do with this major part of his contract is that in his 13 years, there is no opt-out, which means unless he gets traded, he's going to be on the Phillies for the next 13 years. I mean, who's going to pick him up, though? If, if I mean, look at the, look at the money being... Um, you know, given him here, how is somebody going to be able to pick that up? It's incredibly expensive for anybody to be taking a portion of that deal. So, I mean, this is just, he's definitely overpaid. We'll get into that in a little bit. But to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of this deal at all. I think it has more to do with uh, the marketing of his name and where he comes from rather than his style of play. But, I mean, good for him. He's got a pretty hefty paycheck for quite a while. He does, yeah. And I, it does have a little bit to do with his name. There might be planning out something in the long run and drawing in future free agents. Right, right. Like uh, Mike Trout mm-hmm. in a few years. He will become a free agent. And he'll likely become the next highest base played baseball player. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Harper, with his contract, that makes him the highest played player in all of professional sports. Yeah, I don't. I don't care for the money of this deal as much as I do the length. 13 years is a long time. We're... It's that's 2032 when this finally ends. That just seems like so far away. I mean, I get that he's a great player, but how long do you want to bank on him actually being at his caliber for? Are you banking on it being 13 years? To put that into perspective, 13 more years, we will all be 32 years old. <laughs> that's crazy. We'll be in our 30s. That's and at the end of that contract, that. Harper will be 39, which for a lot of people, unless you're Jamie Moyer, the end of the line. Yeah, a lot of careers in sports end at around age 30, mid-30s if you're a really good player. I just don't know about this. I feel like the length might be a bit too long in terms of how long you're expecting him to be at his peak for. I, I think what they were thinking was that we're, he wanted the 13 years. He wanted a long-term deal. There was no way you were going to sign him to a, a short three-, four-year deal. Boris wanted the longevity of it. The Phillies look at it and saying. He will definitely not be as good near the end of the line, near when he's up in his upper 30s. So it's a lot of baseball players. They don't, they don't produce the same, the same stats as they did before. They're looking at it as for the next six years, five, six years, Harper will be pretty good. And with that and the addition of other players as well on that team, they're going to be able to build a team around him and – be in contention for a World Series. You know what I think is funny, though? I think people keep thinking that Harper's going to be consistently this kind of guy that's going to be out there and he's going to be, you know, producing big-time numbers. Well, I think that, especially when looking at statistics like uh, wins above replacement and player value, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because you kind of have to see this kind of this overall trend with him. And this kind of, and I'm just going to restate, I know you guys know what it is, but it's kind of, it, it, this statistic really kind of shows what a player, how valuable a player is in, for his team. Um, and when looking at that, and to put this in, in perspective here, you know, one to two is of a war's typical role player, two to three is a solid starter, three to four is like a good player, four to five is an all-star, five to six is a superstar, and then Obviously, the MVP is six plus. Well, when you look at uh, Bryce Harper's numbers in that category, 2012, he was a 5.2, very good. In 2013, he was a 3.7, 2014, 1.1. 1. 1. 
And then 2015, he's at 10.0, and he's got a lot of other numbers there as well, and he finishes off 2018, caps it all off with a 1.3. He's very, very erratic, and he's not consistent with the numbers that he's putting up. And so that, to me, is, you know, is, is going to, I think, is at least going to provide a little bit of a problem for the Phillies if we're looking at signing somebody that long of a deal because the consistency factor is just not there. Looking at his stats, he does, he does have some kind of trend here when he has a great year and then he, has a, he struggles. Now, in 2017, he ended up batting 319, and I know that was only in 111 games. But when you go to next year in 2018, he batted 249. I mean, that's still fairly decent in, in perspective to the rest of the league, in a league where a lot of guys are starting to strike out a lot and average is not right. as valuable as home runs. But there is potential for him to still put up numbers as he did in 2015. I think when you're looking at Bryce Harper, you're looking not necessarily at the entirety of the past, but what we've seen that he can do. He's proven he can be a great player, and I think if you're the Phillies, you're banking on that more than you're banking on this kind of um, erratic, kind of up-and-down numbers. I think you're you're banking on him being a lot better, and I don't think that's necessarily their fault. And I think you got to look at those 2018 numbers. You see it as a way that the team, the rest of the team was playing. Because 2018 for the Nationals was not that good of a season. They did not make the playoffs for the first time in a while. Because 2017, they were in the National League Divisional Series. When you're on a team, I've, I've stated this a few weeks ago, when you're on a team that's not ex- necessarily in the running for the playoffs, p- players tend to play differently. They tend to lose a little more momentum. They start losing their, their drive a little bit because they can do all they can and the team just doesn't pick them up. Well, I think that's that's interesting that you say that because, you know, with guys like Machado, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and just say this right now. I apologize for saying that Machado did not deserve more money than Harper did because clearly, surprisingly enough, Machado is the better player. Um, and so that's interesting to me because Machado had a bit of a regression period with his team, but his numbers uh, are still higher than Harper's are for a team that he played on, which was significantly worse. Um, and, and his war is also... Uh, higher than uh, Harper's is by uh, a couple ticks. He's got a total war of 33.8. So, yeah, and Harper's war is like 27.4, I think. So that, to me, is kind of interesting um, because when we look at those numbers, there's obviously a huge difference, and uh, Machado does deserve more money in this deal. I got to tell you, in my opinion, I think it's mostly the name of Harper that's getting him the money here. I would not pay a guy. I mean, I understand you still have potential to to be great, but the player that Harper is right now is, 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 is great, but he's not transcendent. Well, he may not be transcendent, but I think Harper's more of a leader than Machado. And you pay for that leadership role on a team. You're going to pay a guy 30, 350 million. I'm not saying that 30 million. I'm not saying that, that that's an outrageous price. Anyway, Machado's contract was outrageous. Oh, yeah. No one should be but paying Harper's over $300 million. Paid more money. When big players hit the market, this is typically what happens in a lot of sports, the market resets. These players set the market, and they're all thinking, oh, I, w- I deserve more money than this guy. So you see the market kind of inflate for those prices. And since the MLB has no salary cap, it's going to be a lot. And that's what we see in, for example, the NFL with quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins. He's not necessarily a great player, but because he hit free agency when he did, he reset the market. And we just we see that happen year after year in professional sports. And you saw that happen with with this signing here. Both of those guys waited for one of the other to sign. Machado was waiting for Harper. Harper was waiting for Machado. Machado just said, that's enough. I'm going to sign now and get it over with. And that's when Harper said, and his agent, Scott Boris, is like, hey, I think my player deserves more money. Because if Machado got this much, how could you not play Bryce Harper this amount? You can use contracts that have already been signed for leverage in any sport. And if you think you deserve more money and the team wants you that badly, they will pay you more money than Guy X. Because my, my favorite quote of this offseason was the Phillies general manager saying, we're going to spend stupid money this offseason. <laughs> and it does look like they have, especially with this signing. $330 million dollars. 200, $25.4 million per year. That's one of the highest out of any baseball player. Uh, it certainly is stupid money. And, and obviously, Logan, as I, as I was to, to you know, comment on your point there, um, 
you know, Kirk Cousins obviously was coming off of a year where he had pretty decent numbers. And when you compare the NFL to the MLB, there's always some some strange things going on there. But obviously you can see a bit of a comparison between the two guys. But in terms of Harper, uh, when he entered this offseason, his average last year was, I believe, his second worst of his career. He was batting a two forty nine, as Patrick said. So that, to me, is kind of surprising because when you have a guy with that kind of average who wasn't even in the top 10 in hitting last year, I mean, obviously you had Mike Trout, you had Mookie Betts, you had uh, Yelich, but those were the guys that were leading the hitting categories in terms of average and, and overall uh, batting statistics. But when you're going to pay a guy that much money to hit and he's coming off of his second worst year in his career, I, I said he was a, a erratic a little bit with his numbers, but he's not hitting the market right now off of last season with great numbers. Based on the trend of his averages, so if you look at back, 2014, We're paying him for something he did four years ago. 330. And you also have him going 243 the following year, 319, 249. By the trend that he's going, next year he should be way above what he was before. I mean, it depends on how much above what we're talking. I mean, because 250 to 275 is, is, an average, is an average batting average for hitters. I mean, I, if I'm paying a guy $330 million, they better be hitting higher than two, 275. I, you know, I mean, you, you think the players that are getting paid or that have an average of 300 or higher would, you know, get this kind of money. But, no, it's not. And, and clearly Machado had I, – I can name you guys like Larry Walker, guys who are Hall of Fame snubs that had tremendous batting averages that were highly overlooked because average is so important in this league. But I think we're just looking at Harper's name here. I think if you're the Phillies, you have to look at building a team around Harper. Obviously, Harper isn't going to be your only piece. And if you build a team around him that can take a less of a load off him to perform, obviously, you're still paying him all that money, and that's the incentive that he needs. But I think you build a team around him, you build a team of good players surrounding him, and that takes some load off of him to perform so you're not solely relying on him. And they have done that. They picked, they got Jake Arrieta the following, the last offseason. They, they picked up Andrew McCutcheon. They made a trade for JT Riamuto. They picked up a lot of pieces on this team, and putting Harper on there made them a lot better, in my opinion. But if you want to look at Harper's stats again, there was one thing that he was up in the highest out of his entire career, and that was RBIs last year. He had 100 RBIs last year, more than he had in his MVP season. So average is one thing. When you're looking how he's producing when there's runners on base— He's produced the most that he ever had last year. And I think that's important to look at. <laughs> I think that's that's important to look at, too. But obviously, I mean, you know, how a guy is hitting is, is, is very, very important because you talk about, you know, a double play can score a run. I mean, I, I just – I think it's funny because w- – so a lot of these things have to be put in context, and and I agree, average has to be put in context too. I mean, there were there were things that he obviously did that, um, you know that that could be explained uh, for that. But I mean, last year he did play, um, you know, the most amount of games of his career. He played 159 games. So, you know, I, does that elevate the numbers a little bit? Possibly. Does that uh, pro- provide less excuses for that average to be down? Possibly. So we have to take that into account as well. I mean, just because a guy's, I mean, 100 RBIs is good, but just because a guy's bringing in that many runs over a strong amount of games at the highest amount of games of his career, it doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to be um, with that kind of elevation that he's going to bring to a team and a change of scenery. We don't know if those numbers are going to stay consistent. Here, Patrick here looks like he has a comment, but I want to make, I want to make a point real quick. When you're talking about the money, I think it's, it's not necessarily unfair to say that it's too much, but when the market works the way it does in professional sports, I feel like you can't really focus too much on the money that a guy is being paid. The market inflates when good players hit the market, whether that good player is just a tick above good or whether that good player is really good. It just resets, and I don't think you can really look at the money and say, this is too much simply because of that. And. Going back in your point, saying 100 RBIs is just good. 100 RBIs is great. No, it's great. Yes, of course, it, it is great. It's 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 a great statistic. But the thing is, is what I'm saying is that 159 games was the most games he played over his career. You think those numbers could be elevated with something like that? But an average that still does not excuse the average at all. In his in his MVP year, he had one less RBI. 
Yes, but he still played a lot games. of games. And why is it? Why is he not producing the same average that he did that? He had 87 in his 2017 campaign of 111 games. Yes, but what? What? Where was his average at? His average was in 2017 at 319. Okay, what explains the regression period there? If he's playing more games, and the average is taking that much of a hit within that period of time, then that goes to show me that the more games he plays in, the less better he is. And that to me is a problem. I mean, also you brought up you brought up injuries as well, right? He had he, he is suffering injuries too. I'm not saying that he's not great. He is clearly great. He's not transcendent. I'm talking about the money here. The money does not follow the kind of player that he. The, the money actually the money doesn't follow the type of player that anybody is. I've already said you can't really the market. Uh, I look. I understand. I really do. But at the same time, this is crazy. This is outrageous. It's a point in Major League Sports that just happens. The market resets. Good players get paid big money that they probably don't deserve. You see it happen all across professional sports. If the MLB were to implement a salary cap, it might change, but it would still be, you still see it in sports that have a salary cap. The market just resets. It wouldn't be just these outrageous numbers that are like 13 years for $300 million, though. And you see that with Stanson's contract. That was outrageous. No, it was. Yeah, absolutely. There's, these players are going to demand a lot of money, and teams that will want to sign them will pay whatever they want. That's just how it is. People were outrageous about A-Rod's contract about 15 years ago. There will always be these, con- these players that will say, I deserve this amount of money. And there will always be a buyer that say, I'm going to pay you that amount of money, and I expect you to be as good. And they may not be as good as they expected, but they will pay the money. There's right. no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. I just, when looking at this contract and the fact that there's no opt-outs with it, and with the fact that his numbers have shown a regression period uh, within that, to me, that, that makes me a little bit critical of, of Philadelphia. But I understand that he's a great player, and, and his, his market was, was great. And certainly he had the opportunity to make that. But And with that, we're going to head off the break. When we come back, we're going to go out east and take a look at the National League East. You're listening to Hot Corner. Stay tuned. Tune in to Preferred Walk-Ons, a weekly sports talk show updating you on everything Mizzou and professional sports. Chase Phillips, Ben Krakow, and Garrett Jones hit the airwaves at 4 o'clock every Friday with balanced and insightful sports talk. We also bring on a variety of guests in studio and over the phone from Columbia and around the SEC to give national insight and perspective. And when we've had enough, you won't want to miss Get It Off Your Chest, our ending segment where we blast what's driving us crazy in sports over the mid-Missouri airwaves. Join us for year two on KCU in Columbia, worldwide on KCU.fm in the Blue Box and in the TuneIn Radio app. Welcome to today's lottery drawing. And today's winning numbers are not yours, not yours, and another number that's not yours. And the final number is not yours. When it comes to having money, don't rely on luck. Brew your own coffee at home instead of buying that latte. Brown bag it to work instead of ordering it. Go to feedthepig.org for more free ideas on how to save. Feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. This is an important message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. After a storm, dirty water can make you and your family sick. Remember to wash your hands with soap and clean water. Wash your hands often, especially before preparing food, before eating, after using the toilet, and after cleaning. Washing your hands is the best way to prevent sickness. To learn more, call the CDC at 1-800-CDC-INFO. And welcome back to the Hot Corner. Going off of the Harper signing, it's very important. We will take a look at how the National League East is going to shape up. Certainly going to be a fun division. In my opinion, with the signing of Harper, it might be the most competitive division. It might be. Oh, I don't know about that. Because that's a little bit of a stretch. Four of the five teams are all going to be competitive. The Braves, the Phillies. The Mets and the Nationals. The Marlins are just kind of there. They just they're going to be in last place. That's just how it is. But those four teams have all made a few acquisitions this this off season, right? Yeah, and have all improved themselves to the point where they're just going to beat each other up. What I want to know is, 
when you look at the Nationals, how do you think the loss of Harper affects them as a whole? I think it does affect them a lot. They lose that, they lose the face of their franchise, and it, it's going to take a few a few weeks or a month or two to find that new person, which actually might actually might not take that long because our very own Max Scherzer, Mizzou graduate, is is now going to be the face of that franchise, being the number one pitcher in that rotation. That rotation is still pretty good. They, they got Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, Scherzer. Their top three is one of the best in the entire league. And I think it will hurt them a little bit, but I can still see them making some push at a postseason run. If they still have a core in place, then they can still be a very good team. However, the fact that not only did they lose Harper, but Harper's still in their division, that's something that's going to be interesting to watch as the season progresses. I don't know if I think people are a little, you know, because I, I keep hearing around Nationals fans that it's like this is devastating. It's not really that devastating, in my opinion. Uh, here's why. And I, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but here's here's why. Okay, the Nationals are wise to not spend that kind of money. Okay, the reason is is they, they've rebuilt their pitching rotation. They've re-strengthened it. It's coming out. It's going to be one of the best in baseball. The hitting is still going to be all right. I think the Nationals are going to be okay. I think when you pay a guy that kind of money, and we've obviously seen the regression happen before with guys like Albert Pujols with the Angels. We saw Giancarlo Stanton, who did not necessarily, uh, who was not the person that we thought he was going to be. A lot of the time with these big-time contracts that guys get, I don't know if there is a, um, I don't know if it's just the idea of them getting this kind of money or if it's just them have, uh, losing kind of incentives, if there's a possible way, a psychological way of looking at it where they lose kind of incentive. But typically there is a, a track record of not good play when this kind of money is being dished out to people. So I don't know if it's going to be too much of a problem for Washington. Look at the Cardinals. They rebuilt just fine. I would not call that a rebuild if you're looking at the Cardinals. I'm okay. Sorry. All right, Cubs fan. I get it. <laughs> but I, Losing Pujols still hurt, though. I do see a reality where it, they lose that leadership in that team. Now, Scherzer right. is going to pick up the torch and carry on that team. But you lose that player who's been the face of your franchise, who was the reason, a part of the reason you were able to get Max Scherzer. You want the, people want to play with Harper. And if they want to play with oh, Harper, they're going to go sign with the team he's on. You're going to lose that, that drive for players to sign with your team. And that's, that's going to hurt them. Now, they still have Juan Soto, who was a great player last season, one of the best rookies that we have seen in the last few years. He will take over a spot in the outfield. But losing that leadership of Harper, is gonna, it's going to hurt. And it's, it is going to affect the way that the rest of this team is going to play. I think so. I'm not saying it's not going to hurt. I just think that they're not going to be affected to the level that people think they're going to be affected by. If you have a strong farm system, you can build upon that. Things will be all right. You said that they were smart not to spend that money on Harper, correct? In a way, yes. I think they can invest it in other places. Okay, what's keeping them from spending that money? There's no salary cap, and if you think Harper is a great player, I don't see why you wouldn't sign him to that contract. They have the there's a there's a a set guideline up. If you over this amount of money, I luxury believe it's tax. over two hundred million. Something I think, like that, yeah. For the luxury tax, and that's where you you get a big tax. Teams like the Yankees, Dodgers, the Cubs, big market teams who have a lot of money, they're very cautious with not going over that because if you go the first year you go over it, it's not bad. The next year. The percentage of tax you get on your team is a lot. And that's why the Astros are like, look, we paid Scherzer a lot of money. We paid Corbin a good deal. $300 million, a 10-year deal. I don't think that's valuable for us to do because we go over that salary cap and we go over it. Salary cap. We go over that luxury tax the first year, which isn't bad. We go over it the next year, you get killed. And it's it's not worth it. Richard team, Richard teams are able to rebound from that a lot easier than I'd say – not not poor teams, but teams that are not as wealthy in that sense are able to not. I don't think the Nationals are like the Nationals are not one of the, they're not, the biggest you know, markets. They're not like the Yankees. So this, right. this, I think it's a wise decision, honestly. And I think I'll put this in perspective here. We mentioned this earlier. Mike Trout's going to become a free agent soon. A lot of teams are going to try to sign him. My favorite is the Phillies, personally, because <laughs> Trout's from Jersey. He's a fan of the Eagles, which should probably make him a fan of the Phillies. Oh, we all know he's a fan of the Eagles. And I can see him saying, you know what? I want to play with Harper. I want to play 
with Aaron Nola and other and a few other players that they have. I'm going to go sign a contract with them. Here's the thing. How much money are you expecting him to be paid? Because we just talked about the luxury tax. You know, the Phillies are already paying Harper about $30 million a year, something close to that. So where do you see Trout's contract fitting into that mix? Trout will be the first player. You guys can quote me on this. The first player to be paid $400 million. Yes, And I he agree. rightfully deserves it because if you look at his numbers in the past seven years he's been in the league, he is one of the best players we have ever seen in the history, the 150-year history of MLB, of baseball. He is he's transcendent. He's the next Babe Ruth. Yeah, oh, I, think, wow. I think the question with Ugh. him is not whether or not he's worth it. I think the question is, you said specifically the Phillies. I think the question is if they're going to pay him that money because they're already paying Harper a bunch. If you pay Trout a lot, you're still fine, but you're running you're running into issues depending on what other contracts you have in place. I think they're going to go well they're they're going to end up going over that luxury tax. But that's just the thing you that's going to happen to any team that signs that signs Trout. They're going to pay him what he wants and he deserves what he what he's what's going to come to him. Whether yeah. it be 400 million, 380 million, he deserves all of that. Yeah, I, Trout. Obviously, I don't. I think it's a little crazy to say that he's the next Babe Ruth, but honestly, Look I will agree more. with you. I will agree with you. He is transcendent, and he is today in the last several decades. He is probably one of the best. Actually, I'll say he's the best hitter in baseball right now. Yeah, his WAR is ridiculous. It is ridiculously high. It is more than twice what Harper's is. It is more than tw- uh, it's actually uh, a little less than twice what Machado's is. So yes. Um, He's tr- he's transcendent. He's terrific. He deserves that kind of money. I don't know if he's going to have an impact the same way Babe Ruth did, but I got to tell you, Trout is incredible. Trout is incredible. I just Babe Ruth's like that that ceiling. We just I, I feel like you cannot. No one can reach that. Yet yeah, Babe Ruth revolutionized the sport in a way that no one else really I think can. Mainly because the sport's been around for so long. But I think if you're trying to call Trout the next Babe Ruth, I think you might need to. I'll clarify my point. I not mean revolutionize the game. I meant in terms of stats, in terms of oh yeah, of average and all that. All you know, the whole nine yards. And Trout, if he were retired now, he'd have a he'd have a higher award than a few a few Hall of Famers. If he keeps up those numbers that he has the last seven years, he will be way over the kind of player that Babe Ruth was. I think no one's debating the fact that he's not worth it. I think we all think he's worth it. I think the issue is just we misinterpreted your comment about the next Babe Ruth. That's yeah. that's high praise <laughs> to throw around for a player. So that's not wrong. We, where do you think the Phillies are going to be this year in the in the division? I think Philadelphia is. I mean, it, to me, I think Philadelphia has a lot of potential to be strong. Um, but I think with that said. Uh, teams that are strong in the regular season can fall apart in the postseason. See, we're not talking about the postseason right now, though. But if we're, we're, we're talking, talking about, about the, regular, the season, regular season, if we are talking about the regular season, I can see them winning 95 games or higher. I think it's still Atlanta's division to lose. You look at the Phillies, they were 10 games behind the Braves at the end of last season. I think Harper can fix some of that, but he definitely can't fix all of it. I think it's still Atlanta's division to lose. I could definitely see them finishing second, but I think winning the division is a little bit of a stretch for them. I'm sorry, Michael. I don't see them winning 95 games. I don't see anyone in that division winning 95 games. I see them winning 93. Whoever 90. wins that division is going to win on, 88, I, hey, 89 games. You know what? Because all the no. teams, the Mets, the, the, the Braves, I don't the it. Nationals, they're all going to beat up on each other. They're not going to – there's not going to – the only team – that's like in terms of the the central, like the like the the Reds were, is the Marlins. There's no team like the Pirates or Reds when they were both not as good as what they used to be. These two teams, all the teams in this division are good except for the except for the Marlins. They're all going to beat up on each other this off this season. You think they're going to beat up on each other? Here's what I think. I think some teams are going to beat up on each other, and then some teams are going to play poorly. My issue with that is, is I think this is going to be a division where everybody essentially is beating up on the entire MLB within it. I think it's going to be something where <laughs> you're looking at me like I'm crazy again. I'm, I'm serious. This is something that has definitely, we can look at this and we can say, okay, how do you think the Phillies are going to fare versus teams that they play? Like, for example, if they play the Cubs or the Cardinals, 
I think they can get wins outside of their division that are going to make up for that rather than who they play within their division. I think they're going to beat up on each other to an extent. Maybe 95 is a little bit crazy. I'll push back. I'll say around 92, 93. But again, this is definitely going to be a division with people who are going to have very good numbers. You just simply play more games in your division in sports. Right. And but when that you're playing, let me, let me go. When you're yeah. in a division that's competitive, it's that's going to be spread out. So less, it's not like one team is dominating the entire division. You have about three or four teams that are in the mix and all are very good, and those wins are going to get spread out. That's why you see all the teams, except for the Marlins, going to be in that 80, that 85 no. to 90 wins. No, I don't think so. I think this is going to be... You play, you, Logan said it, you play more yes, teams in their division than anywhere but else. But the teams that they're going to beat that are not in their division, because there's only so many teams in a division that they have to play other teams, well, of right? Of course they have They're to play going other teams. to get wins there. They're going to get wins there, and that's going to make up for the divisional performance, and they have to win games in the division as well. So that those numbers are going to add up. Every team, and that's where I think it's going to be 92, 93. Every team plays every team, though. If that was the case, yes, obviously. We if if you're assuming they make up those wins outside the division, they're still playing the great teams outside their division, and they're still playing the bottom feeders. But when you you have to look inside the division because that's where most of your games come from, and I don't see a scenario where any team runs away with this one. It's going to be close the entire season. Pick, flip your coin between the Braves and the Phillies. Those are the two teams. Maybe have the Nationals in there. Who's going to win the division? Pick your choice. I say the Phillies. You say the Braves. Actually, it seems like all you guys are saying the Braves except for me. Because with the, when you have Harper and you pick up Andrew McCutcheon and you get Gene Segura in a trade, David Robertson, JT Realmuto, they picked up a lot of guys. And that 10 wins last year, that's not going to be the same this year. They're going to they're gonna be up... By the end of the year, it's going to be up by like a game or two, and that's what's going to win the division for him. It's definitely going to be a close one. I just don't know if I see the Braves giving up that title quite yet. I think the division winner, I, I think, honestly, it's going to be at Atlanta, and I think they're going to have to peak. They're going to have to have their, their win number, I think, is going to have to be 93-94, I think. Because, honestly, you're right. It is going to be tight. And that's why I think that it's going to hover around. I, th- I still think they're going to be above 90, not too much above 90, but I still think they're going to be above 90 wins. You call, you keep looking at me like I'm crazy. This is this. I honestly, I can see it happening. I really can't. These are very, very strong teams that are going to dominate the MLB next year. And I can see why you said this could potentially be the strongest division in baseball and top the, the central in this scenario, because literally they do have the, the most talent. Something we haven't talked about too much this segment. Where do you guys see the Mets finishing? Yeah, the Mets are that weird team that like picked up a lot of guys like Cano, Wilson Ramos, Jet Lori. They were in the discussion this offseason as a team that's trying to make their rebuild. Do you think they're in contention this season, or do you think they're, they're still going to have to work to get there? If their starting rotation can stay healthy, which has been a struggle for them, that's why they made it to the World Series in 2015. If that rotation is healthy, they have a chance. Because that's top three is one of the best in all of baseball. If they stay healthy, if DeGrom and Syndergaard stay healthy, they will be up there in the, in the division. Yeah, I like the Mets. Um, I think one thing that you have to take a look at with the Mets is they're a very, very strong team. I, I saw an interview, I think, with their GM, and he was like, you know, we're not that worried about it. We're not that worried about it. So, you know what? I, I agree. I don't think they should be that worried about it. They should be focused on the guys that they have and keeping them healthy, as you said, Patrick. And you know what? I don't see him winning the division. I think it's it could be a toss-up between the Nationals, the Phillies, and the Braves. But I can see the Mets being a wild-card team potentially here. What do you think? Mm, I don't know about wild-card do team. Because that wild, if you, this is what's going to happen. I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard, I've heard a lot of analysts say this. That, that first wild-card spot is never going to be second in the, in the NL Central. That second wild-card spot, that's going to be one of the most tightly contested races in all of MLB. That's something you could put money on. Who's that wild-card spot going to go to? Is it going to go to the East or is it going to go to the Central? I definitely think we're going to get at least one wild-card out of the Central. We're definitely going to uh, obviously have to get a division winner, but I think we're going to get at least one wild-card out of the Central. You'll, you'll get one wild-card out of the Central. But are you going to get that second wild-card out of the East? And that's where I'm thinking that 
that's where you get it. That's because see, this, this is where that win problem comes into play. If everyone's beating up on each other, they're not going to be in any any way contended can, in contention with, let's say, whoever comes in third place in the Central or whoever comes in second place in the West. But how many wins do you think that team is going to get? Do you think they can at least compete for that spot? That second wildcard I mean, spot is going to get around 89 wins. And where do you think the Mets are going to get? The Mets are not going to get it. You don't think they're going to get at least 85, 86? If I would predict now, I'd say the Mets win 80. Oh, oh, 80? 80 wins. 80 wins. That's it. Not even 83, 84, 85? Because not, not when you compare the Mets to the Phillies or the Braves, it's not even a fair comparison. That, Those teams are just starting slower. rotation seems healthy. And they if can it make does up stay for healthy, it. they can have a run. But they still need to have hitting. And they struggle with injuries, not just in their rotation. They struggle with injuries in their lineup, in the outfield, the infield. Every position they struggle with okay, injuries. Okay, assuming it's a perfect world and those get fixed. Well, it's not a perfect world, so that can't be assumed. Okay, but maybe, okay, it's a good world. <laughs> a good I, world. I think that the Last issue... Last year was a nightmare. I think the issue with the Mets is that, again, even... When you look aside from the wins, there's just so much competition in that division. Whether you think Philly or Atlanta is going to win it, you have to think that other team is going to be second, and I think they'd have a better chance of grabbing the wild card than the Mets. And with the Mets, there's like they, they just decided to trade for a lot of guys, and they just are in the wrong place at the wrong time. If the division was how it was in 2015 or 2016, they will they would probably have a good shot to win the entire division. Even if they were in a division other than the NL East. If they were I in the West, shot. they would still have a chance. If they're in the Central, no. But in the West, the West is probably the weakest division in, uh, in the National League. That's where you see, that's where I want to look at my, my wild card team. My, one of my favorite second place wild card teams to look at is the Rockies. And they're in an easy division. Now, the Padres might do something if they do tend to pull up those prospects that they have. But. I don't see the Mets being anything. They'll, they'll play spoilers to teams. They'll pick up those wins, which will make why this division will be such a competitive division. I see them kind of being that one good team that's in the mix. People are talking about them, but they never quite materialize to actually grab that playoff spot. I just don't think the division lends itself to it. Because that's how they have been in the last few years. They were. They're always. They always talk about that top three. They always talk about Syndergaard and Negron. Like, if these guys stay healthy, you watch out for a World Series run. But that just is never the case. The rest of the team just cannot hit. And you saw that last year. DeGrom, DeGrom had a great ERA, one of the best, and still did not get as many wins as he should have because the team was not hitting. Okay. Again, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy. I can see a scenario where the Mets take that spot. And I get it. They, they have There's the There's a scenario, yes. But listen. Listen to me here. Listen to me here. When you have, and they said you think they're going to beat up on each other. Still league and interleague play games still are more than the divisional games that you play. And I, I think they're going to win a lot of divisional games, too. It's going to be even out. But I think with the, the league games and the interleague games, you do play 90 of those. So I think that's where all these wins are going to come from for these teams. They're going to beat up on the rest of the MLB. On the rest? On the rest. And you're talking about the Mets? I'm talking, well, not the Mets necessarily, but I'm talking about the Nationals, the team like the Phillies, and, and I think the Mets will kind of carry on a little bit with that. I can see them win in mid-'80s. Mid-'80s. I just don't see them Mid-'80s. as... Mid-'80s. I don't see it happening. I don't see them as a top contender in that division. I just don't. I'm not saying they're, 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 they're not a top contender. They get wins. They're not a top contender. I'm talking about wild, can they be a wild-card contender. That's what I'm saying. I think no. they can. No. I think they can. I don't think so. I, not, I really, not even a 50% chance. I really don't chance. think so. In comparison to the rest of the league, I just don't see it. Is there a scenario where it can happen? Sure. Do I see that scenario happening? No. The percentage of that happening is low. Yes, there's, you can say, well, there's a 5% chance that does happen. It's still a chance. But it's so low to the point where you really just shouldn't say it. I will say it with 100% sureness. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm going to say it anyways. Confidence? Confidence. That's Certainty. what I'm looking for. That the Mets will not be in that second place wild card. You can quote me on it. I will live up to it. By the time that October comes, I will be right. We can revisit this in October. The archive is saved. Yes, so we, it is. we have you on the record saying that. All right. And with that, we're going to off the break. We come back. We're going to switch gears and go into the Alliance of American Football. You're listening to Hot Corner. Stay tuned.
Missouri Tigers football and men's and women's basketball on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU Sports is brought to you by El Rancho. Located at 1014 East Broadway, El Rancho provides themselves in serving up fresh and authentic Mexican food. To look at their menu and learn more, go to www.columbiamomexicanfood.com. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU 88.1 FM, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Ranger Station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. And welcome back to the hot corner. It's the Alliance of American Football. We are at the midway point of the season. What are you guys? What are you guys looking at so far? I, I like it. There's that. There's that. That feeling that it's not exactly professional football. It's got that college feel a little bit. But I do like it, though. Yeah, when you said we're about halfway through the season. We're not even close. There's 10 weeks. Oh, there's, I thought that was eight. No, there's Jeez, 10 weeks. We've played three of them. So we've still got a lot of football prepared. to play. <laughs> still got a lot of football to play. But I have one issue with the AAF that's been coming up to me in the recent weeks, and that's this idea of parity. We have two undefeated teams. Obviously, the Hotshots lost to the Stallions last week. But then we also have two winless teams in the Express and the legends and I feel like this might be an issue down the road in terms of teams being able to compete you want to see new teams in the mix you want to see teams jump through and compete and I feel like when there's two teams at 3-0 and at this point in the year I feel like there might be some issues yeah and you see that with Atlanta they just they can't seem to buy themselves a win and you also see it with your Memphis Express We'll we'll talk about them later. The best zero and three team in history. Let me just say, Debatable. let me just say <laughs> that a savior has come and he bears the number eight on his jersey. But we'll talk about him in a bit. But I do I do have to see there is that that feeling that there are good teams and there's just bad teams. I feel like any way you swing it, the Apollos look they're just superiorly coached. They have a better coach in Steve Spurrier than any other team in the league and I feel like the Iron can definitely compete with that, but I feel like you want to see other teams in the mix towards the bottom and I feel like we don't really have that. Alright, I just want to point out something. I was wrong, but I'm thrilled to be wrong. You know why? Do you know why? The Stallions won. The Stallions won. You I know, said this was sh- Patriots you Jets. You shouldn't even be. But you know what? I'm you happy. Be happy. I'm happy about it because I care. We were 0-2, and, and now very, we're 1-2. Very I care. We beat 2-0 Arizona. Granted, Arizona had uh, issues, but actually they didn't have issues. But my point is they had they were 2-0. But my point is, is that they came out there, and they played with heart. They played with strength. They played with courage, and they got that W. And you know what, guys? I'm a fan of the Stallions again. Yeah. We saw we saw some of the issues. Mm. With now that they're winning, I'm a fan. I, I want to go back and just say on the record here that Michael was wanting to switch his fandom, and I'm I am just not a fan of it. I had logistical reasoning no, 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 no. for switching my fandom. Logistical reasoning. You got to stay true to one team. I Steve Spurrier is the coach. So, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like he's a bandwagoner. That's I feel loyalty. like he's a bandwagoner. Oh come on, dude. You're you're you jumping wanna, around a lot. Uh, well, I am he's jumping around a lot. He's stuttering a little bit. He's he's getting all nervous here in the studio. Oh come on! Uh, it, it, We're calling listen, him out. And he's oh, aware of it. He knows. Oh my god! Okay, listen. The Stallions proved to me two things. They proved to me that they're a fun team, and they proved to me that they're a team that also plays with courage and heart. And you know what? That to me earned a lot of my respect. Well, we I'm want to talk about two people in the studio who have stayed true to their team all season. You see, Logan and I are both lifelong fans of our of our two teams. In two months of fandom, still more fans than you are. It's half of fandom. it's a lifelong. But like I said, if we want to talk about those two teams, the Fleet play the Express this week in a Patrick Logan matchup. Oh, so what I want to know is, we have our obvious thoughts about this game, but Michael, where do you stand? Because you're impartial in this debate. Um, 
complete express. Um, this is going to be an interesting game. I'm just going to go ahead and say this is going to be an interesting game. You know why? It's going to be interesting because well, you two are going to be arguing the whole time. But I think the fleet are going to win. Here's, I, I mentioned earlier, a savior, and he wears number eight. And his name, if you guys are not aware, is Zach Mettenberger. Of course. He had the best half, I think, of any quarterback this year, save maybe, save maybe against the Legends. No, not John Wolford. Garrett Gilbert uh, for the Apollos. Maybe save that half or maybe a Luis Perez half against the Express. But let me just give give you the numbers here. He was 9 for 12 with two touchdowns and a 90% adjusted completion percentage, which adjusts for things like drops and whatnot, things that are out of the quarterback's control. He had a perfect passer rating, 158.3. Obviously, oh, it's a small sample size, but I think when you see something like that after what Christian Hackenberg was doing to bog this team down, I feel like that defense is going to stay fresh. They're going to be able to stay off the field and not get gassed in the fourth quarter. You got Zach Stacy in the backfield who could take some pressure off of Mettenberger and the receivers, and then Mettenberger is able to air balls out to the receivers. See, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know if that's enough to beat Major Nelson though on of the fleet. The fleet have a gr- have a great thing going here in what I like to call the Nelson to Nelson connection. Philip Nelson to Nelson Spruce. That was that was a very good connection we saw against the commanders last week and it's a big reason why they won that game but i feel like the express will be able to compete in this game as well all right i'm gonna go on say my prediction it, it, it might be a little biased but i uh, i have the fleet winning 64 to nothing in this game and i, I think that's a reasonable guess that's that's <laughs> bold you want to um you want to revise that a little bit before i have Did to come over to the other side of the table all right all right i'll, I'll make correctly? it a little better 24 to nothing there you go. Does that, does that make you feel better? Zag Mettenberger is going to score points. Him okay. and this offense will score points. 24 to 3. <laughs> he will score touchdowns. Michael. Got to be a little bit nicer there. Okay, um, I'm going to give my score prediction. Just one thing I'm going to say real quick. Nelson and Nelson, that reminds me of Rodgers to Rodgers. Motown miracle right there, Aaron Rodgers to Richard Rodgers. All right. Uh, anyway, so, um, okay, yeah, 24 to 12. Maybe this is a side note, but can we stop calling every impressive sports play a miracle? Yes, please. You just mentioned stop. the Motown miracle. We have the Minneapolis miracle. It was miracle. a Hail Mary. There is only we one had, miracle. It was a Hail Mary. And that was in 1980. We had the Miami miracle as well. I feel like we're calling everything miracles. I feel like we just need to stop with that. We need to find new names. The English language is Be very... more creative, guys. The English language is very wide. We can find more names for these. But regardless... If we're talking my score, I am taking the Express 25 to 18 in the upset. See, I think my score was most logical. But we're going to go down to Orlando at Salt Lake at your stallions. Out in the cold in Salt Lake City. (laughs) Both teams, fairly decent, in my opinion. Fairly good. I I I like the way the stallions played last week. I'd like to see what the Stallions' record is if Josh Woodrum plays last last week. Because he was a big X factor in this game. He had that offense in a groove. And I think we see them against a team like the Apollos. I'm calling this my game of the week. I think this is the best game of the week by far. What do you have winning, though? I have the—I think the Stallions are going to be able to be competitive in this game. I know I just talked about parity, and my predictions are kind of inching towards wanting parity to happen in this league. But I think the Stallions are going to win it in a thriller, 27-25. to I have the Stallions winning— I only picked one score prediction for this, and of course, it's to do with my team. But I do have the Stallions upsetting Orlando, and I think it'd be a good game to watch. Um, no question. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. I still think Orlando's going to win um, by four, 24-20, but at the same time, I think the Stallions are going to make a game of it. Orlando's shown to be a great team, and the Stallions, you could say, are the best team with a losing record right now. So now we're going to go to Sunday's games. We have Orlando, oh, yeah, San Antonio at Birmingham. The Iron the Iron Curtain, as I like to call their defense, they have been unstoppable. Iron Curtain. That's the great. Battle of the South down here. Commanders, I'm a little worried about the Commanders simply because they got pounded last week against the Fleet after a team that they had beaten in a, albeit low-scoring game, in week one. So I want to see what they can do in the coming weeks because we also saw them against the Apollos in week two. 
and it was a bloodbath as well. It stayed competitive for a little bit, and then the Apollos ended up running away with it. So I want to see... They're playing another good team this week, and I think they need to be able to get back on track this week because we're running out of time. The season is not coming to a close, but at this point, every game is going to mean something. You want my score prediction? Go ahead. You can go. Because I'll take a shot here. I'm feeling confident. Oh, God. All right. I'm feeling... Michael's feeling confident. Iron are winning 14-10. Low-scoring defensive 14-10. That's a very odd score. Low-scoring defensive So game. you have a touchdown, two-point conversion, and two field goals? Yes. To make that 14? Wow. I have Birmingham winning. I have Trent Richardson having a big game. If I were to go to a score prediction here, I would probably give... Mm, let's see. <laughs> it's, it's very hard to think of scores for this because... It really is. The way scoring is with the two-point conversion, which is sometimes a gimme and sometimes not... I would have to say along the lines of I'm going to go with my, my number of 24 because that's the only one I can come up with. 24-16 Birmingham. I have 30-16 in favor of the Irons. So we're, we're kind of close. I want to be I want to see the commander's offense gel a bit more. I feel like they're kind of out of touch, and we've seen that in the past three games. I want to see them kind of gel. This week will be a telling week for San Antonio. And now we're going to go to our final game, Atlanta at Arizona. And I think that's just an easy easy win. For Arizona, Wolford's gonna have a big game. To me, just like another another day at the office. Yeah. And I think it'd be pretty easy just to say Arizona's winning. Score doesn't really matter because Arizona's winning. <laughs> I have one note on my notes here for this show, and it says legends are bad, hot shots are not. It's just <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but until until Matt Sims can get something working, I don't see a scenario where. The legends are better than any other team. I mean, maybe in the off chance that Johnny Manziel signs with the AAF, he could go to the legends and potentially play a lot better. But I don't, I don't see them have a quarterback, and that's one of the most important things to have, especially in a league like this. So I'm giving Arizona the win, 22 to nine. Yeah, I just want to go ahead and say uh, I don't have a score prediction either. I can just say that Atlanta, in my opinion, I think you guys might or might not agree with me on this, but I'm just going to put this out there. Atlanta, I think, is the least competitive team in this league right what now. What we've seen, that's, that, that's true. I don't think it's it's 100% accurate, but unless they show me that they, they are capable of that, then I, I just I think they're the least competitive. I think, uh, I think they're losing this one by a mile. I think when you look at the Express, the other 0-3 team, and now that they have Zach Mettenberger and looked competitive against the Apollos for a half, they almost came back in that game. I feel like that's very true. I feel like Atlanta just doesn't have the firepower to compete. And they, that can definitely change. A lot can change over the course of a season, but they need to get going quickly. And with that, we're going to have to break. When we come back, it's time for the final word. Listen to Hot Corner. Stay tuned. On Sunday, March 3rd at Rose Music Hall, KCOU and JPS Productions presents Elvis to Presley with openers Nights, Cordial Sins, and Tiny Cactus. Tickets are available online at the Rose Music Hall website and at the door. Doors open at 7. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You know you make me wanna And welcome back to the hot corner. It's that time of the day again. It's time for our signature segment, the final word. And the final the word, word makes you want to shout. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go first. And my story is one that will that will make you feel a little weird. It's a little strange. So we all know cases of twins being separated at birth. 
We've seen it in movies, TV shows, and of course across the news. But what I'm going to tell you today is a story that had many people thinking that these two baseball players were separated at birth. So deep in the minor leagues, there are two people. Both are both named Brady Fiegel. They look completely identical. Both have red hair, both wear glasses, and have the same exact fuzzy beards. So News Corporation and company Inside Edition sat down with these two guys. And they wanted to see if what people were saying was true, that they were separated at birth, twins. So with the help of Inside Edition, they took this test. And the results came in. It's kind of weird because there is one similarity between these two guys. It's, it's quite strange. They both have 53% Germanic Europe descent, which is strange for two guys to have the exact same. But where the story of identical twins kind of falls off is that the rest of their heritage was a little shaky. One was part Italian, the other was not. One was more Irish, one was less. But needless to say, they were... If you, if you look at a picture of these two guys, they're like mirror images of each other. It's really weird. Yeah, you'll have to post a picture on Twitter at Hot Corner Sports. But... We were looking at this the other day, and it truly is a weird story. These guys look exactly alike, and I could see why them having the same name makes them think they might be twins. But my, my favorite thing of the story is the last two quotes that was, that was quoted by Inside Edition. I would declare this as legendary. They both said, we're still brothers in a way, I guess, one said, and we're always going to be Brady Fiegel. <laughs> I think that right there is Absolutely the greatest hilarious. line I've ever read in news. Yeah, and they're not wrong. They are always going to be Brady Fiegel, and they will always be connected by this experience. So you can't really fault them for being wrong. I just, I love that story. It's very interesting and very bizarre. All right. Everybody's apparently looking at me, so I guess it's my turn. Who's your <laughs> hero of the week? Yes. Who is your hero? Who is my hero of the week? In honor of what transpired this week, and this is more of a tongue-in-cheek. Oh, hey, that rhymed. Um... What I'm going to say, my hero of the week this week, I cannot ignore it. It is Scott Boris. Scott Boris is my hero of the week. That man is going to be making so much money. He did things that I disagree with, but you know what? That guy is a winner. That guy's a winner. Sending Harper to Philadelphia on that contract. I got to tell you, I may not agree with it, but that guy's a winner. Mm, debatable. I don't like I don't him. like the guy. I don't like him, but He's I think a good agent. he he don't did like did very good things for Harper, and I think you can't overlook that. But anyways, as you guys all know, I like to send you out with a nice feel good story, send you into your weekend happy. And this one, we're gonna go back a little bit to the Super Bowl. Do you guys remember that Toyota commercial highlighting the journey of a female football player? Yeah. Yes, I do remember that. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that girl. Her name is Toni Harris, and she was actually diagnosed with cancer and went to remission a year later and is still playing football, which is incredible. You see stories like that with Eric Berry and James Conner. It's a great story, and she played safety at a California community college, and she recently signed a letter of intent to play at Central Methodist University. So... She is, she's going places. She's playing at an actual university, and this is a quote from her. It says, I feel like I keep doing what I'm doing and keep having faith in God. I can keep paving the way for little girls everywhere. I believe I'm going to be the first NFL, first female NFL player, but if it just so happens that I'm not, I want to make sure there's a way paid for the next little girl that can get there. And she is doing a lot and making these girls believe that they can be whatever they want to be, which I think is something that's super important. That is super important. And I think it's nice that you're seeing these people that are not well represented in sports. It's nice to see female players in baseball or or basketball or anything, really. It's it's nice to see people being different, and I like that. Yeah. Uh, you, this is the second story I've had on the show in our six episodes that have involved a female athlete. And I think I want to get we, I want to get to a point where these aren't feel-good stories and these are just the norms. So... It's, it's good to see this happening, and I think Tony Harris will be a good start of it. And with that, that is the end of our show today. I'm Patrick Herring. That's Michael Imami and Logan France. You can all follow us on our main Twitter account, at Hot Corner Sports. For me, at Patrick Herring, Imami Michael, and Logan France. The have Logan France. The Logan France. And have a great rest of the Friday and a wonderful weekend. 
We'll be back next week, same place, same time. Nothing can touch my 409